0: The Los Angeles Rams are back from the bye, and we are back on Between the Horns, presented by your Southern California Toyota dealers. Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Long. It is San Francisco 49ers week, and I always enjoy bringing in DeMarco Farr for Rivalry Week. D. Far, good to see you. How was your open date? Not so bad. Very busy. Yeah, when we don't have Ram stuff, it's, it.
1: I become super dad, or at least they try to make me super dad.
0: I think I held That's up pretty nice. well this week. How about you? Same thing, right? Yeah, football is the break from the real work. Yes. I know we're like-minded in that way. Uh, yeah, DeMarco, I, I also want to introduce you to an old friend. The gang is back together here. This might be the season debut on Between the Horns for our next guest. Maurice Jones-Drew, do you remember him? Oh, stop, it. stop it, stop it,
2: stop it. Listen, I, I apologize. Work schedule's been kind of crazy like you guys said, when the Rams aren't there, I, I swear it feels like everyone can just call you to do things. Like, we know you're not working this weekend, so just show up to all these different things. But I'm back. I'm back in full effect in an undisclosed place, a secret location right now, as you can tell. A bunker. Uh, protective custody. I'm in protective custody right now from, from other jobs.
0: Good to see you, man. Wow. Benjamin, all right, so you that. got uh, Ravens, Bucks, Thursday night football, and then anything else this weekend before you can join us at SoFi?
2: Oh, man, we, we got the first round of the playoffs for the little kids. Uh, hey. On Saturday, we're the one seed, so we'll figure that out. Then I have a De La Salle High School football against Amador Valley. We'll see how it goes. Um, right. But, you know, just just chugging away,
0: chugging away, chugging away. DeMarco, softball showdowns on deck. Oh, fans. man,
1: uh, we're pitching this weekend. We start basketball next week. So, like I said, man, I can't wait to get back to football.
0: I need to get away from, like, that stuff and get back to just – being on the sideline. Let's get to it. And what a way to get back into it. I mean, the back half of this schedule, starting in week eight against the San Francisco 49ers at SoFi in an NFC Championship game rematch. DeMarco, where's your mind? Where's your heart? Where are your emotions as you prepare to welcome San Francisco again?
1: Actually, my mind and my heart are on the defensive side of the football for the Rams right now. And um, doing quite well. They're playing great ball. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Or I should say they're dialed in. Um, I'm looking at the guys that are performing the best, your top flight players. Uh, They're easy to find on the stat sheet. Aaron Donald's at the top, sacks tackles for loss. Uh, Ashawn Robinson is a guy that's, I think he's fourth on the team in unassisted tackles. He has been great in that four four technique. Jalen Ramsey has been an absolute monster out there, but there are some guys, even with the defense is playing this well, there are some guys that really haven't stepped up or stepped their game up yet. So, Uh, looking for Greg Gaines or somebody else at that nose tackle spot to really get production from there. Uh, You really need somebody on the outside, hopefully it's Floyd, uh, that could become that edge. If you can't rush the passer, that's fine. That's great. Uh, That elephant won't fly. But what you can do against a team like the 49ers is set that edge, turn everything back in, and make sure that Bobby Wagner, Ernest Jones can make the plays over the top. If you play great team ball against San Francisco, you'll have a
0: chance to beat them. Hmm. Uh, Same foe, but a different look, especially on offense. Maurice, we've not yet got your take on the Christian McCaffrey trade. Why don't we start there? Wow. Uh, I wasn't very happy when it broke on TV, uh, to be honest with you.
2: I think my bias came out like this is ridiculous. Uh, I knew the Rams were in play for it, but obviously the Niners offered a little bit more, and he's a perfect fit for what they do, right? A guy, another playmaker that allows Jimmy Garoppolo not to hold the ball. He gets the ball out pretty quickly, as we see here. Checkdowns can turn into touchdowns. You get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Then on top of that, he's a great zone runner. So to me, it's like the, the Ritz rich get richer in, in some way, shape, or form, especially in this kind of Kyle Shanahan boot offense. Uh, you see the way Kittle's playing. All these things are going to start to open up because you have to focus on Christian McCaffrey. So um, yeah. for the National Football League, it's not happy for the Rams. I'm not happy for the Niners. They, they got him a really good player. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He hasn't been healthy the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, speaking of health, I mean, I, I think why don't we just say for now that the Rams are as healthy as they've been all season, DeMarco. Uh, we'll see if it's the healthiest that they become all season. Happy to become uh, wrong on that front. I would love for them to get even healthier. Uh, but some key pieces back on defense, including starters like Troy Hill, uh, like rookie Kobe Durant, maybe an offensive line that's as healthy as it's been since early in the season with Brian Allen coming back in the middle. Uh, it's early in the week still relative to this game, but you look at the 49ers side of the equation. Eric Armstead not practicing, our old friend Samson Abukam not practicing, Uh, Kyle Juszczyk sounds like he has a broken finger, so he may not be in front of Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams still trying to get back uh, at left tackle, and perhaps most, uh, most important to this game, Debo Samuels hamstring has flared up. You know, that's the one that got me. I mean, that's the one that's really
1: unpredictable and can really, you know, hamstring him or slow him down on game day, so I was happy about that. I saw Yuschak was on the injury report, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, wait, it's got a finger. Dang, he's going to be out there, right? So Armstead, you, you assume he's going to be out there. So the 49ers, regardless of how they feel, when they play the Rams, they become Superman. So expect those guys to be on the field. But, Maurice, I think you hit it. Watching San Francisco's offense, it's interesting. They do everything bass backwards. It's the exact opposite of the Rams. The run game is so intricate. It's so detailed. It's so hard to stop. And the passing game is basic. It's the mm-hmm. opposite of the Rams. So I said this, thinking about this this morning, whoever gets fired first, Shanahan or, or Sean McVay, you should hire the other guy. Because if you put these two guys together, oh, my God, you won't be able to stop them. But, yeah, the run game, it's so weird. So they'll come out in 11 personnel with use check as the only running back. Then they have Debo in as the running back in the dot. So then they give you that wham look, right? That what we're used to, the fullback comes down and whams that nose tackle. But it's not a wham block. Use comes up, fits up, and he's zone blocking. So they give Debo a two-way go. So he's got at worst a plus five play side. But if that backside safety or linebacker overruns it, it's a home run going back the other way. It's just it's a nightmare. It makes you miserable to to think about it and play against it and just worry about it all week long. So to me, it's typical Niner stuff. It, it keeps you up at night. They're they're ambi- It's an ambient football team. I mean, you really need something to help you sleep when you think about this stuff. But it all comes down to that front seven, Aaron Donald and company, the guys I just mentioned. If you accept the challenge, especially at the edge, on Kittle, with Williams out there, if you accept the challenge and be physical, buy that extra three yards, that tough, small, give give ground grudgingly type stuff on the edge and force everything back to the middle, you'll have a chance to stop them and beat them. If you let second and eight turn into first and 10, you've got no shot. If you let second and eight turn into third and five and make Garoppolo have to throw it, now you have a chance to beat them.
2: I, w- I would say for me, if we're just talking about overall everything, if you saw the way the Kansas City Chiefs offensively played the Niners, that is the playbook you want to go against, right? Allow – they ran the ball, but they had their tackles pass set. So Bosa's running up the field to get to the quarterback, creating running lanes. And so you you can actually steal some things there. The passing game was quick, right? They they beat him with some fly sweep motions, uh, fly the motion, fly sweep, and hand the ball off. They they were able to use their aggressiveness and, and turn it into their weakness. And so I think if you're Sean McVay, you have to kind of look back and say, okay, what did the Chiefs do and how can we figure out a way to do it. Maybe we're not running the ball into the middle of the defense. Maybe we're on the edges with the flashes we saw against the Carolina Panthers. Maybe it is a quick bubble Ooh. screen outside, let guys go. Maybe it it is some of the other things that we've done, the play action pass, getting those guys to move sideways, and then getting the ball out quickly. Uh, and so I, I think, again, you can – if you watch that game and you kind of see exactly what the Chiefs did and how they were able to attack, I want to say Patrick Mahomes didn't get sacked until the fourth quarter right? because the ball was getting out quick. I mean, he was going from lead one, two to three. And, I mean, the ball was getting out. And if they weren't there, he was checking the ball down. Uh, they were able to take some shots down the field as, as some of the guys were um, looking in the backfield. Ward was looking in the backfield. And that's the guy that was with the Chiefs. But this is the thing. And, he, DeMarco, you said use check. Well, from my understanding, he had finger surgery. So he may not be playing. He broke it's his finger. finger. He's a
1: fullback. He's going to be out there. You know that.
2: I'm just, he's, <laughs> not, he's not the fullbacks that we know. He, he lines up a wide receiver. He's he no needs, Benny Skoranek. He needs to use his hands, right? He needs to catch the ball. So I don't know no if doubt. he'll be out there. And I think from my understanding is they're kind of leaning towards him not playing this week and then wow. possibly the next one. But even with that being said, this is going to take a total team effort. Special teams have to, is going to have mm-hmm. to be on point. Offense, you're going to have to get the ball out quickly. You can't have three and outs against them. But you have to make sure that you give your defense rest because, again, we know what the Niners are going to do. Each Every time we play the Niners, they run the same game plan. They're going to run the toss zone. Okay, they're going to put Debo on the backfield. They're going to hand the ball to Debo. They're going to run wide receiver screens to Debo. They're going to throw the ball a little five-yard outs to Kittle, right? They're going to do the oh, same thing over great. and over again yeah. because what happens? The Rams haven't stopped it, right? Yeah. You stopped it one time in eight games. So, to me, it's just you have to understand the game plan that you have to have going against this Niner team. Each week is different, right? This Niner team, you got to play a little tighter coverage, right? You can't be sitting at eight yards, ten yards off because you're just going to them those little two-yard routes. you got to tighten down – and force Jimmy Garoppolo to hold that ball an extra beat so Aaron Donald and company can get there. And then offensively, you got to stretch those guys horizontally first. before Hey, you Maurice,
1: who's that in company? I know Aaron's going to get there. Who else is going to get there? Well, I mean – Right, well, exactly. Hold
2: on. Hold on. Let me, I'll yeah. say this. McGlinchey hasn't been playing well at right tackle for the Niners. He's been Holding a lot. Run. Yeah, he's been holding so a lot. So whoever is over there, if it's Leonard Floyd, if it's Justin Hollins, whoever it may be, whoever you can get to get some immediate pressure – on that off that right tackle that's what you want to that's what you want to pick on let leave Trent Williams alone let's leave him alone come on it's, now it's with the guys on the other side when you get in those passing situations and corral that pocket and you and you you have a chance to really force Jimmy Garoppolo to be the Jimmy Garoppolo we saw in the NFC
0: Championship game I mean to DeMarco's point other than Aaron Donald who's got multiple sacks on this roster uh, the good news is Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey have them The bad news is your starting middle linebacker and your corner are the other pass rushers with multiple sacks. And I I get it. Sacks are not the end-all be-all, right? But the pressure metrics underlying those uh, tell the same story. Um, I do want to get to the offense and uh, if the Rams are due and what Van Jefferson might mean uh, to breaking out against the 49ers. But real quick on on the point that you guys made, uh, my key for the week is yards after catch and yards after contact, essentially. Same thing, whether it's out of the backfield or through the quick passing game that you referenced, this is not just about Debo taking it to the house at Levi's in week four, though that's certainly top of mind. It's also as we transition to the offense, who besides Cooper Cup can make somebody miss and make a play? Right? Or because run there's gonna through be somebody. Yeah. Or run through somebody. Yep. Yeah. Same same deal. Because when I think about the first meeting this season with San Francisco, remember they were coming off one of the most anemic offensive performances of the Kyle Shanahan era? They lost at Denver, and they were transitioning back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and they didn't really have an offensive feel or identity. Of course, the Rams cured that for them, unfortunately, uh, and, and they've gotten going offensively. Now, now it's kind of the other direction. I get that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are elite, but statistically, that was one of the most egregious defensive performances in modern San Francisco 49ers history. Okay. Kansas city was averaging 10 yards per play until garbage time of that game. How much of that, to Maurice's point, can you replicate from Andy Reid's playbook and design and how much of that do you expect to get cleaned up uh, by D'Amico Ryans and the 49ers?
1: Hmm. Um, I expect a lot. I expect D'Amico Ryans to have this defense humming. And I was so disappointed that the 49ers took an L, took a beating before you played the Rams because the best thing in the NFL is to get beat because you're going to fix your problems and it's going to motivate mm-hmm. you. There's nothing worse than a losing week in the National Football League. We all know this, right? Especially one where you got your butt kicked and then you're facing a foe that you feel you're superior than. So they're going to be at their best. But there's a lot of stuff you can take from that. Here's what I need on the offensive side of the ball for the Rams. Brian Allen's coming back, right? I need that mean, nasty, mm. just that guy that, that when they drafted him, the dude that wasn't afraid to just get his nose bloody and get in there. You need to be attached to Fred Warner on every single play. I don't care if you get a 15-yard penalty. Every single play, you should be pushing, shoving, trying to cut this guy, getting him on the ground. Because more often than not, the the run-play call will be dependent on you getting to him anyway. And the 49ers do a great job of covering him up. They cut the line up, the line moves. They got some big, strong guys that hold the the offensive line up so he can be free to the football. But eventually, it's going to come down to can that center – get to Fred Warner, and get him away from the football or on the deck. So I want that mean and nasty Brian Allen, that guy. I want him to be back this week versus you,
0: them. You want to feel the difference between having your starting center in play against the 49ers versus your emergency center, Jeremiah Coloney, last time. I'm trying time to say everything but dirty. But th- even with that, we need you. that guy Finished. to
1: be out there for the Niners. You need the and finish. G-
0: MJD. Exactly. Uh, Thank you, we are, Say it again. We are Say expecting it again, we, <laughs> are hoping, <finished. laughs> we are expecting, we are hoping that Van Jefferson will make his twenty two debut for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm excited about that. I'm optimistic about that. But let's also just check our expectations. Are we putting too much on Van Jefferson's shoulders here to unlock what's been a sluggish offense so far for LA? <laughs>
2: I, I think there's certain things in the National Football League and in football in general that one player can do, right? If you look at the Buffalo Bills, they add Stefan Diggs, and he puts everyone back into their proper place, right? Cole Beasley at the time goes to the slot receiver. Gabe Daryl becomes number two, right? You had um, Emmanuel Sanders, who they were trying to figure out. So they had some guys, but once they put Stefan Diggs, he became the number one guy, the offense flowed. I think the same thing with the Los Angeles Rams. If you put Van Jefferson at that third guy, now Ben Skoranek is not – doing all the, the the slot work and all the dirty work and the fullback and this and that, now I can give him a break, which then makes him obviously more fresh. He he has the ability to come in and play fullback and then we can do some different things. Um, I think, it, I wouldn't say it's too much pressure, but I do think that he comes in, he puts guys back in position where you need to be and he gives Stafford that third option that he can count on, right? That he knows yeah. will be where he needs to be. That is that deep threat, but also can run the other routes, right? If you put Tutu Atwell out there, 90 Percent of the time he's running 15 20 yards down the field on his route, so you can kind of that. You don't know that with Van Jefferson, so it kind of opens the offense up in that way. And the other thing I'll say about this if you look at a kind of around the league, and, and, and again, is always one guy. If you look at what AJ Brown did to the Philadelphia Eagles, all of a sudden now Devontae Smith is the number two, and look at his production, and so maybe. This can be the reverse thing where we're not just leaning on Cooper Cup every time. We're not just getting Allen Robinson in the red zone. Now all of a sudden you have Van Jefferson who could do some other work on the third corner that'll give Stafford that uh that ability to get there, right? Maybe it's sometimes we've seen Skaronic, and it's not a knock on him. Sometimes he just is taking too long for him to get to that spot where Stafford needs him to be. Or maybe he's not, you know, it's just it didn't look um what's the word i it, it just didn't look clean if that makes sense right when van jefferson was out there even in the super bowl it looked clean he just wasn't making plays like he was open right running down the field he just didn't go make make, make the plays that need to be made so again that might be the piece that you're looking for also um I, I i and we've talked about this we've talked about this in cincinnati and you know obviously there was a lot of pressure getting put on stafford but watching that carolina game back Alaric Jackson did an awesome job at left tackle against one of the top young pass rushers in the National Football League. And maybe – and I'm, I'm just
0: – You're, just you're the top of is, his fan club at left tackle. I, I know you I, love this I, guy.
2: We talked about this, right? The reason Tristan Wirth played right tackle was because his dude was at left. No and maybe that is his natural position. And I'm not saying that no Boom can't come back and and, and be awesome. But right now, you might have stole one. You might have found a guy that not could – Not stealing. End up being, yeah, like, not stealing. Yeah, it it is is stealing DeMarco. Can't make the club to the top, Maurice? No, I'm saying it's I'm saying as an organization, you stole one saying that you found an undrafted guy who can be a really good left tackle in the National Football League, right? And so if you have this guy and he can end up being it, maybe you can move No Boom to left guard, maybe you can move him to right guard. Maybe you can solidify this offensive line in a different way if this guy can be that. And so this is an awesome, you know. I think Sean said it best in one of his interviews. He was like, um We have to – it was something about circumstance, and he was like, this may allow us to do some different things. Mm -hmm. I think he was talking about Alaric being the left tackle and then being able to be versatile with No Boom and maybe going to different places.
0: Well, I know this is week eight, but based off what you guys are saying, it does feel a bit like week one. You you get a fresh start here, right? We'll get to the Seahawks down the schedule. They're a problem for December and January. But for right now, as you look at the structure of the NFC West – This is a great way to open coming off your bye week. And I knew there are some tendencies, DeMarco, in terms of the personnel that you have. But this is the first time that we've seen it, maybe the closest that we've seen it to the way they drew it up in training camp or this offseason where you have Brian Allen in the middle, yes, where you have hopefully a healthy and productive left tackle. And like we said with Van, uh, you have your 11 personnel, largely the way that you drew it up uh, through free agency uh, and maybe even an early down running game with Daryl Henderson to go with it.
1: You know, I've heard coaches do this before where you, you, you reset the season. Everybody's zero, 0 and we're going to play it on out here. So I think the same applies here. Uh, this is the group that you thought you would have for the most part, and everyone's coming back for the most part, and you've had a week off. So you have a chance to get reconnected as a coaching staff and as a, a group of players. Uh, what are we trying to do? What can we do? And what's out there in front of us? So, And I'm with you, man. This is a great way to start week one with San Francisco because – You have no choice but to be amped up and to be ready because you know they are. And, look, if any team in the world uh, that gets beat by the same team over and over and over again, the one thing you want to do is stop that. And I'll go back to my group in 99. I'll keep saying this. There's no way we win that Super Bowl unless we beat the Niners first because I think they had beaten us like 17 straight before then. It was ridiculous. We'd gotten close. We couldn't beat them. That psychological edge started to build until we said enough. So, Hopefully this group, this current group of Rams, feels the same way about San Francisco. Um, look, San Fran is your nemesis. Um, everything flows off what you do versus them in the NFC West. So here they come to your house. Uh, you just came off a win. You went into the bye feeling good about yourself. You're getting guys back. You're starting centers back. Troy Hill's coming back. And he teased me versus Carolina. He really did. I saw him working out pregame, and I said, Troy, are you up or down? He goes, Nope, I'm down. I'm like, ah, dang. Well, good. Get ready for this one coming up. So you're getting your dogs back on both sides of the football, and you're facing your biggest rival in the NFC West. So hopefully this team can rally,
0: regroup, be ready, and play with a lot of energy come Sunday. DeMarco, let me dovetail off of that. I'm not going to go through the whole regular season losing streak. I don't think it really stands because the Rams won the most important one, which was the NFC Championship game in their home stadium. But going back in time, they've had some opportunities to step on the neck of their biggest rival. And they've let those opportunities pass them by. And because of that, the 49ers have gotten back on their feet and found some success. I'm talking about Week four of last year, Niners were one and two coming off, or of this year, coming off a gruesome loss at Denver. Missed that opportunity to send them to one and three. Of course, week 18 last year was a win and get in scenario for the 49ers. The Rams ended up letting them into the postseason field. All's well that ends well. 49ers kind of cleared a path back to SoFi Stadium for them. But week 10, 21, Maurice, the 49ers were three and five and in a tailspin, remember? They lost five of their last six, and they got back on track. Uh, week 12, 2020, 49ers, four and six, and riding a three game losing skid beat the Los Angeles Rams. Like so many of these opportunities going back to say, you know what, throw some dirt on your biggest rival. Whether or not it's the death knell for their season, you can put them in a deep enough hole that their year might be over. Now, it's still the end of October. I think it's too early for that. But what if you were to send them to three straight losses on the back of that Christian McCaffrey trade? What if you were to spill them to last place in the NFC West?
2: Well, I'll tell you this. They feel that way. Um, I actually, I was talking to you guys before the show about how I was getting texted by one of their front office people, a good friend of mine. And, you know, he was talking about a UCLA thing. And I was like, well, I thought he was talking about the Niners coming back down here to SoFi. And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's just a get right game for you. He goes, dude. I don't know. He he, pretty much was like, I don't know what we have going on right now. We can't do anything right. He goes one day, one week, our defense is lights out. Our offense stinks. The next week, offense stinks, defense stinks, everybody stinks, right? And so <laughs> they're in the same they're in the same boat as they're trying to find their way. And and JB, you're exactly right. This is a situation where you're zero and zero. You're three and three. You can find a way to just go ahead, put them down, then be done with them. Be done with them because they have to. They have some other things they have to do with. Seattle's playing really well. Arizona always plays them tough. They got some tough other situations they have to deal with. If you can handle your business, and this is the only thing in the National Football League that's always tough because you don't want to put all your coins or all your eggs into one game, right? Say, like, we have to win this one, right? Because then if you do, then it kind of – you start doing this roller coaster thing. But this game is really important for the – the the I guess in the bigger scheme of things. If you can go ahead and knock this one out, get those out of the way, like you guys said, if you beat the Niners – you have a, a great path to the Super Bowl. And I didn't really believe you guys until last year. Yeah. Uh, and so far, I was like, this is a real thing. Like, if you can't beat the Niners, you will not win the You're Super not Bowl. Going. And so- I heard
1: something similar, Maurice. Did you hear the name Sean Mannion? I heard something about the 49ers being disrespected when they trotted out, when the Rams trotted out Sean Mannion and they they sat Jared Goff. What year was that?
0: Yeah, was, was that it? 17? 17. Yeah, resting starters in week 17.
1: Yeah. yeah, something about feeling disrespected and the butt kickings began there or something like that. Yeah, hmm. I'm like, that's a long time to hold the grudge, man.
0: <laughs> you know
2: what I mean? But you have to understand, I've interviewed those dudes in the yeah. offseason and, and they dislike the Rams the same way the Mid-time. Rams yeah. For whatever reason, whatever it is, if, if it's from back in the day, but I love that. And these rivalry games are important because when you do beat your rival, just like in college, high school, or uh-huh. any other sport, it gives you that extra confidence. And, and so for the Rams, this is a, it's an important game for not only just physically and the record-wise for mentally. Yeah, yeah. Getting back right mentally, being able to get that monkey off your back. And I'll give you a quick story. I remember playing my, my second year in the league. I went seven games without scoring a touchdown, okay? Uh-huh. I was disgusted. I was like, who is this guy that I'm betraying? And we played the Kansas City Chiefs, and I scored my first one. And after that, the pressure, all the stuff that was going through my mind, all those things went out the window. And when I could just play football, and we all started to play better as a team because other guys had other things going on. This is a monkey that you can get off your back right now that can actually pole vault you or take you to another level. And who cares who you got after this? right? I know it's the Bucs and this and and that. Who cares? You will be mentally prepared to take on anyone else if you can win this game.
0: Uh, to your point about the 49ers sometimes feeling rudderless but looking forward to getting right against the rams i screenshotted a couple of things from from their beat rider, from the people that cover this team which i'm not saying is a direct reflection of the sentiment in the locker room but after they lost to the chiefs here here's word for word what i read the good news for the 49ers is dot 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 that they play the rams next week wow see there it here, is. here's another one <laughs> An- another bright side 49ers get the Rams next Sunday at SoFi Stadium, an opponent that they are seven and one against in their last eight games. Like that game was not thirty seconds stale. Before right. those who follow the 49ers closely are saying, "Man, back to back losses. This one was ugly." Good news is Rams next.
1: To like, a man, ten- roster wise, they're not better. It's all psychological. I've been there, and Maurice, you're dead on. Have you guys ever played Miss Pac Man? Yes, it's the same as when you get that power pellet. When you beat San Francisco, you start chasing the ghosts. Same thing here. So, but you've got to get through this this mental edge, this thing they have, this grip they have have over you. To me, what changed in the NFC NFC Championship game versus Week Seventeen was uh, Nick Scott blowing up Debo. Yes. Right, you finally knocked the bully out. Right, then everything changed. It's no different here. You're going to have to beat them physically, period. If not, that psychological edge will take over.
2: I, I have to say this, too. It, it's so funny because when you when you really look at the the whole, the big picture, you, you said it best, DeMarco. It's not as if they're more talented than you. It's not as if their coach is better than yours. It's, it has zero to do with that. It's strictly physicality. They're just a more physical football team. They want to run the ball. They have guys that finish their blocks, Kittle, Last year in November, dumped, remember he dumped Von Miller and uh-huh. they were replay. All those, they were just more physical. And the one time the Rams showed physicality, they cowered down. What does that remind you of? A bully. Yep. Right? A bully will bully you until you say enough's enough. And eventually and then he becomes your best friend. <laughs> and then he becomes your best friend. And so right. eventually the Rams have to stand up to the bully that they – and I told someone this last this year and right I still here. believe it. The Rams uh, can that, the that Rams, was my
1: bully in college. And there then I hit him. And then we became best friends. Exactly.
2: <laughs> the Rams can beat anyone in the National Football League, anyone. But for some reason, the Niners is just that one bully that you have. Like the girl that I told you, I don't know if I ever told you a story. I was bullied one time in my life, and her name was Carmel Smalls. She, she bullied me all the time until one day I looked in the mirror, and I was like, enough's enough, Maurice. Carmel will never touch you and push you down like that Gee. ever again. Oh, huh? wow. Oh yeah, and I stood up to her. I didn't touch her or anything. I just said, "Stop," and she stopped. She got and some passes that, in
1: there. Can we borrow for left guard?
2: <laughs> but but again, you have it's a mental thing. You have to look yourself in no the doubt. mirror. You have to practice a certain way. You have to go to meetings a certain way in order to get over this. And one win will never get you over a bully, right? Because that bully knows that they've won multiple times against you. They they feel a certain way towards you. You have to continue to play and even this thing out. And once you even it out, then everything goes back the way it needs to go.
0: MJD versus Smalls, Rams versus San Francisco, the theme of the week. I can tell just by getting back together with you guys that we could carry this conversation all the way through to Sunday at 1.25. But we'll leave it there on this edition of Between the Horns and look forward to being with you from SoFi Stadium. For MJD, for DeMarco Far, I'm JB Long. This has been BT8, presented by your Southern California Toyota dealers.